unemployment's gonna be very ugly. Bloomberg just came out yesterday saying 100% chance next year it's gonna be a recession. Warren Buffett, two years ago when he was sitting on $125 billion of cash, everybody called him crazy. Right now, he's sitting on $105 billion of cash. Why would he sit on $105 billion of cash? 2024, the day after election, the next day will be the single biggest climb ever to Dow in a history of America. It's going to go to the roof. The next 18 to 24 months is not going to be pretty. For content creators, it's the complete opposite of what I just said. Thanks for coming back on the podcast. Fired up to get into the content. We got the economy to uh, talk about macro economy, mm -hmm. the creator economy. And I want to hear about content strategy, how you're thinking about content, how you're thinking about all of that stuff. But this is a special interview because today is your birthday. Yes, it is. And you're here at work. How do you feel about your mentality when it just comes to hustle, working on your birthday, being yeah. devoted to your vision? What's it mean to you in this moment on your birthday to be doing a podcast here at Valuetainment headquarters? I, I don't mean to you know like undermine it, but it means literally nothing. It's just another workday. But here's why. A long time ago, uh, when I started building my business, I asked, I said, so if I'm somebody that takes vacation based on what the government tells me, then I'm just like everybody else. I said, I don't want the government to tell me when is a vacation. I don't want the traditional days to be vacation. I want me to choose when I want to go on vacation, whatever those days may be. So Christmas to me, extremely valuable. I over-invest, spend for Christmas because it's a, my favorite holiday of the year. Uh, birthdays, it's 44, 44. I mean, you know, said Reggie Jackson's number 44, Jim Brown, you know, you got Nolan Ryan, and 44 is a cool number, but it's nothing crazy about it. I think 45 will do a party. I'm probably not gonna do anything from 46 to 49. And at 50, we're gonna do something that's gonna be pretty legendary. But yeah, in regards to today being a birthday and me being at work, this is very, very, if you ask my wife who's somewhere around here, we just had lunch, we went and looked at the other building real quick. This has been the story of my life. I'm the guy that ran sales meetings on Labor Day weekend where everybody's taking Monday off. I have a 6 a.m. sales meeting. You know, I'm the guy that, you know, December 31st, everybody's partying until late at night. January 1st, I got an 8 o'clock sales meeting. I'm that weird guy that ran those meetings because I just felt, you know, if it's a psyche, if it's whatever you want to call it, I wanted to do what others don't want to do on certain days. And I want to teach willpower to myself and others. I thought that's what it took to win. And whether I'm right or wrong, it's, it's worked out. I love it. So you spoke at our event, Grow a Video Live, and you came out swinging. You were about to talk about content, but you were like, listen, uh, warning, you know, you got to get ready for the next 24, uh, 36 months. We could be facing the greatest economic crash yeah. reset. And recently at your conference, The Vault, you had Robert Kiyosaki mm -hmm. come on. Mm -hmm. And he spoke at your event and he said, we are about to face the biggest economic crash in history and it's still coming. It's the everything bubble. Um, my question for you is, have you updated your point of view over the last few months? Do you think things are gonna be better, worse, in the middle? And even you made some predictions about housing, all of the above. What's kind of the current state of the economy from your perspective and some of the things you're personally doing? Housing's gonna still take a massive hit. It's not over with. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the luxury housing market dropped 28%, which that's a problem right there. And the way they define the luxury housing market is like the top 2% in any city. So, you know, top 2% in New York could be a, you know, $20 million home, but a top 2% in Toledo could be an $800,000 home. It doesn't matter. Imagine the luxury market dropped 28% in six months. So. A $10 million house is a $7.8 million house. A million dollar house is a $720,000 house, $7.2 million house. So that's a big number right there. Uh, loan officers are leaving the industry by the droves. Realtors are leaving the industry by the droves. You're looking at licensing in the state of Texas is down. Licensing in the state of California is down. You're seeing what's going on with the economy right now where it's kind of okay season right now. It's like, oh, it's good. It's recovery. It's not recovery. Uh, Powell's talked about the fact that they're going to raise interest rates until inflation hits 2%. Inflation is still 8%, which means rates are going to go. 30-year mortgage rates just cracked 7%. A year ago, you could have gotten a 30-year mortgage rate at 2.65, 2.85. That's a big difference when you think about the, the payment. So the only thing that happens when rates are high, values down. When rates are low, values are up. The mortgage payment is the same thing. It doesn't matter. So the mortgage payment on a million-dollar home 
at 7% is the same as the mortgage of a, say, million three home at 2% or at 3%. So nothing's changing in regards to monthly payment that I can afford. Rates are going up. So value has to go down. So there's going to be a lot of people that are still sitting on their homes trying to sell it. They won't do it. By the way, I have a, I'll give you a personal story on how I lost $100,000 in a car the last 12 months. Okay, so my Ferrari was on sale a year ago. I didn't want to buy, keep the Ferrari because I couldn't fit in it. A little less than a year ago. It's an SF90. It's a beautiful car. I put it in the market for $800,000. I got a seven sixty-five dollars offer. I said, no, I'm not going to sell for seven sixty-five. There's only a couple of these in the market. I'm going to get my eight hundred. Personal experience I'm telling you about, right? Okay, Mr. Genius. So this $799 car that I turned down $765, three months later, I called the guy back and said, no, I'll give you $700. I said, no. So then I got a $720 offer I turned down. I got a $710 offer I turned down. I got a $700,000 I turned down. And I'm getting $685 offers I'm turning down. What do you think is going to end up happening? It's going down. But it's dropped itself $100,000, $120,000 just sitting on it. So from personal experience, this is not going to slow down. And what they're pushing for, the one number that they're still looking at that no one's, you know, so, well, look at this. Unemployment is very strong. Unemployment's going to be very ugly. Q2 of next year, it is not going to be pretty. Bloomberg just came out yesterday saying 100% chance next year it's going to be recession. It was, it was like 56% or 60%. They just bumped it up to 100%. Uh, Jamie Dimon said it's going to be pretty ugly. Uh, everybody you talk to is not looking too pretty right now. As a matter of fact, while this is going on, a guy that many may recognize, his name is Warren Buffett. We all know who he is. David Rubenstein just wrote a book called How to Invest, phenomenal book. And he's interviewing everybody. Larry Fink, Ray Dalio, doesn't matter. He's interviewing all the great ones. And everybody gives credit to one guy, Warren Buffett. Well, Warren Buffett, right now, two years ago when he was sitting on $125 billion of cash, everybody called him crazy. Right now, he's sitting on $105 billion of cash. Why would he sit on $105 billion of cash? He knows opportunity is going to come up. He's going to buy companies on pennies on a dollar. Then the legendary... You know, Bridgewater, you're talking uh, 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 Ray Dalio, who five years ago was saying cash is trash, just came out and says cash is no longer trash. Cash is valuable today. You know, you got to have cash because opportunities are coming along. So it's going to be everything that I said that I believe it was going to happen, it was going to happen. Now, Dave Ramsey, who's beloved by a lot of different people, and he's very big in the Christian community, and a lot of people follow him. I went to a church that we would go Take a Dave Ramsey course. That's kind of what you did if you went to a church uh, that wanted to have somebody with credibility talk about money. And he would always give the basic, you know, how to pay off your debt, buy term, invest the difference, all the basic principles. He said, don't buy into this fear porn that everyone's talking about. Real estate's going to drop. He said this six or nine months ago. I don't think he's saying that right now because real estate has taken a hit and it's not going to be sl- slowing down. Uh, you got inventory that's going up. It's not going to slow down when inventory. I mean, I can go on and on and on telling you bunch of other things with the market. I'm not changing my position. I think 2022 is going to be uh, uh, ugly, but not that ugly. I think 2023 is going to be very, very weird year for a lot of people. 2024, the day after election, the day we vote, whatever the day is, 2024, November 3rd, whatever that Tuesday is, the day we vote, my prediction, the next day will be the single biggest climb ever to doubt in a history of America, history of the market. It's going to go to the roof. My prediction I could be wrong. I believe 25, 26, Dow's going to get somewhere around 50 to 60,000. But the next 18 to 24 months is not going to be pretty. So in light of your predictions, what is your advice for entrepreneurs, content creators right now, those that want to pre- prepare and position themselves? What are a few moves they can make to be very serious about right yeah. now? I mean, for content creators, it's the complete opposite of what I, what I just said. Mm. You know, COVID and the shutdown was great for content creators. Meet Kevin came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden he had a million and a half. Graham Stephan went from, I don't know, he was at four or 500,000 subs. I think he's at four million subs now. You got a bunch of people that blew up during COVID because when people are afraid, they listen. So when people are afraid, they need to be entertained. So when a person's stressed out, sometimes they just want to watch a comedy film. They have no desire to watch a overly, you know, scary, you know, let me tell you what's going on with the market. Like, dude, I just want to break. Just make me laugh. You know, so you notice when COVID hit, what, to, what went to the roof? Alcohol went to the roof. Beer companies went to the roof. Liquor went to the roof. Entertainment went to the roof. Tiger King became a celebrity where he's running for office not to be a president. Who would have thought we're going to watch Tiger King, 64 million 
people are going to log on to Netflix in the first three weeks and watch Tiger King. Who's Tiger King? I was in Tiger King 2. I don't even know I was in Tiger King 2. I'm getting calls saying, Pat, you realize you're in Tiger King 2 because I interviewed one of the individuals from Tiger King 2. Now, Joe Exotic is in jail. Him and I message each other, and he follows the content. But you, you, you didn't know what was going to happen. So for content creators, if they position themselves right in areas that people want, I think it's going to be a very good season for content creators who position themselves the right way. If I personalize this a little bit, um, we're so inspired by what you've done with Valuetainment. You've bought this incredible building. Your podcast is in a vault. It's the vault podcast. It's a former bank, right? And we're about to tour it. Excited for that. Um, We want to buy a building in Las Vegas. And my wife and I also, uh, our current house is so positioned to be an amazing rental. It will cash flow incredible. The mortgage is under 3%. um, And we have more kids. We want to expand. If you're me, are you buying, uh, what would be your timing on pursuing buying commercial and buying a home? I happen to be in the market of Vegas. It's a hot spot. It swings high, swings low. And then we maybe broaden that advice. Maybe somebody can relate to thinking about expanding their business. You just bought a new building. And so maybe dueling mindsets of do we shrink back? Do we lean in? Or what are some of the factors of measuring these things? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to say something. Some people are going to not like it, but it is what it is. I think it's a perfect season right now to make disrespectful offers. Let me say that one more time. It's a perfect season right now to make disrespectful offers. A year and a half ago, nobody had the right to make disrespectful offers, and nobody cared if you made disrespectful offers. A person who made a disrespectful offer a year and a half ago looked like an idiot. Today, a disrespectful offer gets an attention. So let's qualify. What is a disrespectful offer? Say I'm in a market for buying a $3 million home, okay? And rather than looking at 3.1s and making a $2.9 million offer right now, I'm going to look at the 4s, I'm going to look at the 3.8s, I'm going to look at 3.7s, and I'm going to make a 2.6 offer right now. I'm going to make a 2.7 offer right now. And I'm going to say 2.6, 2.7, cash offer, here's what I got. There's a, a penthouse in Miami I wanted to buy, 57 for a beautiful place. Two years ago, that place is a $40, $50 million property. I made a very disrespectful offer, and I was right on my offer but they didn't accept my offer. Well, the property sold for 19 million bucks a month and a half ago, okay? That's a 40, 50, that property will sell for 50 million bucks in the next two years, three years, 26, 26 is what, four years from now? But today, somebody got it for 19 million bucks. This is a building with all the major celebrities living. It's a very beautiful building, 1000 Biscayne. If you put the picture so the audience can see it, it looks like a, you know, woman's body. The designer was a woman who designed it and then she passed away. It's a beautiful, Amazing property, right? Property value dropped immensely. So watches today. Someone's got a $200,000 watch. They're trying to sell it. Hey, I want 180 for it. Offer 95. Again, people are going to get offended. Someone's got a million, $3 million worth of cards and they can't sell it. They're afraid to put it on an auction because they don't think it's going to sell on an auction. Make a 1-7 offer today. Let them react. All they have to say is, no, if you got cash, cash is kink. If you're trying to buy a commercial property today and all you have to look at is the days of listing, it's been there for nine and a half months and they're trying to sell it, Hey, they want $3 million for the building, offer 2-1. Worst thing they're going to tell you is what? No. But it could start the conversation. Like I said, today you can get away with a disrespectful offer. I'm getting disrespectful offers right now. If, if you only saw the offers I'm getting on some of the stuff, and you know what I say to the person making me a disrespectful offer? I understand. I would too. But the difference is I'm not desperate for the sale. So I'm going to sit on the asset. I don't have to sell it. But if I'm somebody that's selling today, you have to assume most people are gradually running out of cash. They were, they had some dry powder, you know, they had some powder, but they're, they're doing okay with some, you know, savings in cash they have, that's going away. And every month that goes by, there's only so much you can act. Uh, if the average person was a great actor, they'd be in Hollywood, but they're not in Hollywood because they don't know how to act. Which means they may seem confident today on Instagram, maybe a month from now, maybe three months from now, maybe six months from now, but if all of a sudden cash goes from having a few million in a bank to a million to 600000 to 400000 now you're sitting there saying, I only have nine more months left, you're a little bit quick. The first reaction is, get rid of, get rid of, get rid of. I don't care, just sell it. I don't care, just sell it. I don't care, just sell that property. I don't care. And when people get into that motive, I don't care, just sell it, people are getting things at a discounted rate. So my recommendation to you is, Make some disrespectful offers. In a Christian way, but make some disrespectful offers. I love it. I love it. Um, Let's talk about content. And you just gave an interesting 
tension between other industries and content in these next yeah. few years, especially even in recession. We actually personally, as soon as the lockdown started, Think Media's views doubled our entire YouTube channel. We didn't do a thing different. It makes sense. People were at home. They started searching for things. And so I do think this is going to be an incredible season for content creators. And you yourself have bet on content big. You've gone all in with valuetainment. You're starting shows. You're starting uh, new personalities are being recruited. You already have this massively influential, I believe, the number one channel on YouTube for entrepreneurs, and uh, not just by the numbers, but by the quality of the content. Thank you. Why are you betting so big on content? Why am I betting so uh, so big on content? So first of all, you know, when you're saying your content grew, it didn't grow just because you were creating content. You were creating good content, right? You know, people think just because they create content, they're going to get a hit. You're not. It's got to be good content. You got to know which audience you want to attract. You have to figure out a way to differentiate yourself. It's got to be less acting, more you. It's got to be authentic. Either you're giving me value, you're making me laugh, you're making me aware, you're steering the pot, you're controversial, you're doing something to get attention and there's many ways of doing it. But today, uh, uh, you know, years ago, Steve Jobs, when he wanted to make a statement about what Apple's doing, he'd call uh, Hugh Hefner from Playboy magazine. He would say, call your editor-in-chief, I want to talk to him. He would call him up and he would say, I want you to interview me. I want you to do a hit piece on me and this story. But he would call Playboy because that was his audience, okay? Steve Jobs, Playboy's his audience. That's what he would do. Okay, today he doesn't have to do that. Today he simply goes like James Corden, right? James Corden goes to this restaurant in New York and all of a sudden he has a bad day two days ago, three days ago, and it's horrible. So this is two instances where he disrespected the waiter, waiter and the waitresses. It's the main restaurant that everybody wants to go to, Baltazar, some name like that, right? What does the owner of the restaurant do? The owner of the restaurant doesn't call New York Times or New York Post or LA Times. He goes on his Instagram account. He puts a picture of James Corden. On the bottom describes why he's 86th James Corden. Why he's the only one of the only few people he's 86 in 25 years. And he gives two stories of both times. And he says he can never come back to the restaurant ever again. Well, today, apparently James Corden called him last night and they had a conversation together. And he officially removed suspending him. And he cannot come back to the restaurant because he profusely apologized, saying, man, I apologize for what I did. And they said, okay, no problem. You can come back to the restaurant. So if he wanted to do that before, that would have taken a longer lifespan. Everything is content today. Everything's messaging today. Speed is faster today. Controlling the narrative is faster today. Uh, if 20 years ago I'm building a business, I'm probably more focused on building the company brand than my brand. The difference between Jobs and, and Bill Gates, Jobs understood his own brand mattered as much as the company's brand. People didn't really see Bill Gates as a brand. People did see Steve Jobs as a brand. And you saw the similar thing with Larry Ellison and some of these other guys. And today, you know, you're seeing the difference between Bezos and Musk. Bezos at one point was worth more. But people don't know Bezos. They don't even like Bezos. Why don't they like Bezos? Why don't people like him? Because no one knows nothing about the guy. Why do people like Elon Musk? Why do people like this guy? He's louder than Bezos. Shouldn't they not like Elon Musk? Well, then Elon Musk trained Bezos to realize, hey, Bezos, you got to get a little bit more vocal. You got to start paying attention to your brand. So what does uh, Bezos do? Bezos starts showing what he's doing traveling, having fun. He posts a picture with his muscles saying, hey, come on, Leo, say something to my girl in a joking way. Then he calls out Joe Biden because Elon Musk is so vocal about what he's saying. Now people are saying, hey, his engagement's gone up. People are liking Bezos. There's a little bit of, oh, this guy's got guts. He's got audacity. So everyone's starting to realize, you know, in today's era, whether you like it or not, we're all naked. There used to be a time we could all just hide and be quiet. It's not an effective strategy today because today, when somebody doesn't say anything about anything, we see them as disingenuous. When somebody doesn't have an opinion about things, we see them as they're hiding something versus here's how I feel about this. Here's how I feel about that. Here's how I feel about this. People are trusting brands more who's a leader at the top, has a position, not necessarily a you know, black and white position, but we know you a little bit versus we know nothing about you because we don't know whether we should trust you or not. So. It's a different world today of creating content. So that's why we're doing it. And for long-term purposes, we feel every brand has a position they take. Um, you got some people that make movies that's around sports, ESPN, documentaries, 6460, that's great. You got some people make, uh, you know, for superheroes, you know, you got Marvel, Avengers, all this stuff. Some that are making movies that's about comedy, fantastic. 
Some that are making movies that's political, you know, Daily Wire, they're trying to give their messaging. We're going to be making movies for the rest of our lives with Vitamin Media Company around stories of an entrepreneur and the other underdog. We're going to inject the spirit of capitalism to people around the world because without that system, I'd be a regular guy today. You're starting multiple shows and you're recruiting personalities. What's your vision? Is there an unlimited cap? How many podcasts do you want to start? How many shows do you want to start? Is it an organic development or a highly strategic, like you're trying to hit certain numbers like Starbucks opening new stores? That's a great question. So we just made an offer on an 11 acre land <laughs> three weeks ago, which is about five miles away from here. We're gonna build a campus to fit 2,000 people because we're gonna create sets, shows, you know, like a, like a Johnny Carson, Jimmy Kimmel, you know, Jimmy Fallon type of a set where people can rotate right now. I just bought a building over here that we created you, by the way, after this, somebody should take you there for you to see it. You, you should go see it and kind of get some B-roll of it. You'll see a wall of fame with people that we admire with a gold Vitamin logo there and a set with five seats, camera galore, 16-foot LED TV where you can do your podcast. And in front of you, there's 300 people live sitting there while you're doing a live podcast. So live audience, butts and seats, having drinks, liquor license. Cigar lines, we're creating a little bit of a man cave type of a feeling that's going to be black with Churchill where you're coming in to watch a fight or, you know, football game or you're watching a debate and you're sitting there having a cigar, having a conversation with another executive or founder, more of a higher end type of stuff. And it's going to turn into a comedy club. But our the 11 acre land that we're making an offer on, it's going to be like DreamWorks, Warner Brothers. It's a campus. Uh, our consulting business here that you're looking at, this has been growing uh, extremely fast. We can't fit people anymore. If we had enough room, we'd have 100 people right now on the consulting side because that business has blown up for us in a big way. It's going to end up being one of the biggest consulting firms in America because that's our audience. Entrepreneurship, so now our private equity firm, we're making investments. We did another investment uh, last week into a company. We're very excited about this new founder that's building an idea that I'm really excited about what this guy's going to be doing. So we have our private equity firm. We have our consulting firm called The David Consulting. We have our investment group that's called the Itimin Investment Group. We have our comedy side. We're going to do our own model of SNL. We'll do you know, uh, movies, documentaries. Our set that we created over there is to bring other podcasters where you can rotate because you can put whatever logo you want on the LED TV. It's not like a set that's one person. You can mix it up and add additional things that you want to the set. So we, we have a very, very long-term vision on what we want to do, and it's crystal clear. That quote right behind you pretty much answers the question you just asked. I'll read the quote to you. It says, not one person in the entire motion picture field knows for certainty what's going to work. Every time out, it's a guess, and if you're lucky, an educated one. William Goldman, right? So that to me is, we have no clue how we're going to do what we want to do, but we know exactly why we're doing what we're doing. So the vision is crystal clear. And, you know, it's easy when you have a clear vision because the right people show up. So we're going to recruit other podcasters, comedians, talent that wants to talk politics, talent that wants to entertain, experts on finance. It doesn't matter. We're recruiting people to come down to South Florida and run with us. What's your advice to founders, leaders, somebody that wants to dream a little bit bigger, um, I feel like I love your vision and we get to draft behind you and learn from you. You've got so much vision. What's your advice for recruiting and attracting leaders to help you build an empire as big as you're describing? Yeah, so, so number one is the sooner you know what you want to build, okay? So let's just say you, if you're, the more you're winging it, the less likely you're going to find the right people. When I was winging it, the right people weren't showing up. The moment I got crystal clear on what I wanted to do and my vision was very clear, I sat down and I said, here's what I want to do. This is what I'm looking for. Then I started telling everybody about what I'm doing and what I'm looking for. And it would always end with, hey, Sean, listen, you got a few minutes? Yeah, so let me tell you what I'm working on right now. Here's what the vision of the company is. This is what we're trying to do. This is where we're going. Here's what we're thinking we're going to get there. And I want to know if you know anybody that can help us with this because I need somebody that's a CTO. I need a chief compliance officer. I need a you know, a COO. I need a president. I need a chief editor-in-chief. Do you know anybody? Just the other day, I'm on the phone and I'm looking for an editor-in-chief, okay, for our news uh, 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 site that we have, valuetainment.com. So I sit there and what do I do? Uh, no joke. I sit there. I'm trying to show you some of the people that I texted. You'd, you'd recognize the names. They've texted me back at this point. But I'm, I'm texting people, and here's my text sounds. 
I am looking for a president of my media company. We're hiring another 50 employees between now and the end of the year. If you know anybody that would make a hell of a president for a media company or an editor-in-chief for our new site, I'd love to speak with somebody. Thank you. I sent 50 messages out. Half of them respond back saying, I don't know anybody. The other half responded back saying, let me think about it. And a handful of them said, I got a couple names that you got to talk to them. Fantastic. But my job is now to tell people what I'm looking for. Just like when I was single and I finally realized I'm ready to get married and I knew what I wanted as a wife, what I wanted her to look like, how I wanted her to be. When I got clear, I started telling everybody, this is what I'm looking for. If you know anybody, think of me. So everybody's like, hey, I've got this girl, you know, she's Miss California. You know, I think you'll like her. You guys got to get together. So we're going, I'm like, oh, it's fantastic. Getting along, we're good. Okay, here's another one. She's doing this great. I like this. This, this one. And I was like, okay, great. Then I meet my wife. Awesome. Then we get married. Now we got four kids. Now we're together for 13 years. So, but everything is. First, you want to get married? Yes. What do you want to look for in a wife? Pa, 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 pa. Go tell everybody about it. Number two, what do you want to do with your vision? Here's what you want to do. Go tell everybody about it. So somehow, some way, people appear um, and, and they'll typically match your profile. Like when I met your team in Vegas, Similar rise in principles. I met that one girl that had 16,000 subs on her channel who's a teacher trying to teach homeschooling. Heather. Oh, Heather just really liked her. Then I started seeing other guys that you had there. Ryan was there. Just a, what a great guy he is. The, yeah. the ba former baseball player, him and his wife. Good looking guy. Could be a model, by the way. And he's doing real estate. I really liked him. Then I started just seeing who's around you, right? You're learning about that. But Typically, whatever values and principles you'll have, you're going to draw those types of people to your company. So speaking a little bit deeper on media, I'm curious uh, your take on Mr. Beast recently on a podcast, the Flagrant Podcast, revealed that he turned down a $1 billion offer for his YouTube channel. And he said, I'm clearly not looking to sell at this point. He said, maybe if it was 10 or $20 billion, I would even consider it for now. Um, that would make me more comfortable handing over the keys to my kingdom, but ultimately I think it could be worth way more. I think people on the outside of what's happening in the YouTube world and the content world are absolutely shocked by that. Um, but from your perspective, do you think that uh, he made a bad call or do you think that he's exactly right? He's way undervaluing uh, what it is. Well, I mean, a couple things. One, your business is worth whatever the market is willing to pay you. We don't have the details of what was offered to him, but let's do some basic math, okay? So I just pulled up his channel. His most viewed video is 293 million views. It's a 25-minute video. That's the $456,000 squid game that he did, which was all over the place. And one note about that as well is he's also doing multiple different channels, of course, quality dubbed. Absolutely. And so his most viewed video, Squid Game, is actually higher in another language. Yeah, I, yeah. And, and, and I'm aware so of that. But, so, but here, let's do this together. So... Super Bowl commercial you do 30 seconds. What are you paying? $5.2 million, give or take, right? And Super Bowl gets roughly 100 million views, okay? So if we take 300 million people watching the Super Bowl, which is the number here, not including all the other stuff, which means a 60-second clip in this 25-minute video is what? $16 million, okay? So if he's able to get a billion views because it's in other languages, then that means that's now a $50 million one video on that number. Then you take that, I don't know how many videos he's got. If we go over here and we see how many videos he's uploaded, he's got a total of 17 billion views. I'll just do the number on 17 billion views we can do together right now on just one channel, okay? Let's do this together. 17 billion views divided by 100 million because that's what Super Bowl claims. So that's 170 times... Five million bucks, okay? Minimum, that, that, that thing is worth $850 million. So one channel, so I've, I've never even been asked this question, nor have I done the math. His one channel alone has generated a minimum of $850 million, and I'm calculating only one commercial. Yeah. So assume on each video, he can do five 60-second commercials. If we go to five on that, that's $4.2 billion that he has in his, in his channel. So... I, uh, uh, and then add it to all the other channels that he has, I think he's right, 10 to $20 billion is the right number. And YouTube revenue, and also the commercial spots, and then also, and, I, and I'm not sure if in the deal, 
He's got Beast Burger now, because I think it might have been for his empire. He's got a restaurant. Oh my God, and for the entire empire? They I, offered a billion? I'm not sure, but that's that's what he was he was saying. This is- I haven't, re- I, I heard about it, people ask me, but if it's for the whole thing, and does he come with it? And how many years does he come with it? And how many minimum clips is he gonna do per month? How many videos is he gonna do? If, if all of that comes together, I think he's right. It's a $10 billion. No, I wouldn't be selling it less than $10 billion. Yeah, and, and be, he has a chocolate bar, and that's already in Walmart now. Yeah. And so even off the momentum of his brand, I mean, of course, there would be diminishing results, but that, that's fascinating. So what do you think that speaks to in terms of, do you think that there's still a big disconnect between the old media world and the new media world respecting a content creator like Mr. Beast and traditional media still being uh, the, the, the weights are not balanced in terms of maybe understanding what this is worth or do you think it is accurate? Uh, so, okay, so I mean, but th- none of that is anything new. Meaning, I'm Armenian and I'm a Syrian, born and raised in Iran, right? Uh, I've done very well for myself. I've made a few hundred million dollars, okay? But if I go sit down with my mom who's Armenian, she'll talk about one of her friend's uh, daughters that got a four-year degree and I don't have a four-year degree. So to her, success is a four-year degree. To her, success is being a doctor. I don't have a PhD. I will never have any plans of getting a PhD or a master's or a bachelor's. So that doesn't change. You know, what, what, what is the difference between a person who goes to Harvard and gets a degree from Harvard where on the wall it says Harvard, but they're making 130 a year versus a person who went to a community college, graduated from a small school and built a business that sells it for 1.2 billion. In the eyes of an educator, Harvard gets more credibility. In the eyes of a doer, Forbes 400, you know, all the other stuff, of course, you're going to look at the guy that's generated revenue. But media is getting a black eye and people like him are not slowing down. And this is just the beginning, by the way. What he's been able to uh, build, and it's going to be interesting as he ages and turns 30 or 35 or 40, is he going to duplicate himself and bring other people to get others to do what he does? Because he has a personality but he doesn't have Jimmy Fallon's personality. He doesn't have Logan Paul's personality. He doesn't have Jake Paul's personality, meaning his model is duplicatable. Logan Paul is not duplicatable. Jake Paul is not duplicatable. Tate, not duplicatable. Rock, not duplicatable. Mr. Beast, very duplicatable. So imagine if this guy goes and recruits 20, 30, 40 other 16-year-old, 18-year-olds, and he owns 80% of the company, and he teaches them how to do it, and then they go take off. Could this guy in the next 20 years be worth a half a trillion dollars? It could very likely happen to a guy like him. And he's 24. And he's 24, exactly. Um, when you look at media right now, what are your most important platforms in order for you strategically? For me strategically, obviously it's YouTube at the top for me. Why? Um, because I'm long form, uh, because I'm... Um, You know, uh, I do my clips in a way where I have multiple channels I'm building it on. So we got Valuetainment, we got Valuetainment Short Clips, we got PBD Podcast, we got VT Money, we got Valuetainment Russian, we got Jedediah Bila. So that's where, and Valuetainment Comedy. So that's that's where our main uh, driver is. Uh, Instagram is playing a very big role right now. Instagram is like Vinny downstairs. He just put up a clip on Instagram. Funny clip, just being silly in the office. It's an 11-second clip. It's got 6.9 million views on Instagram. Okay, great. That's number two for you? By Instagram? I would say Instagram would be there. Um, Facebook is probably three. TikTok is good for a lot of people. We were growing very rapidly on TikTok. And, you know, every other video would be 100,000 views, 200,000 views. The last time we had 100,000 views was uh, 350 videos ago, so we don't know what's going on there. And we even bumped up the quality of clips. So the same clips we put on TikTok gets 2,000 views, but we put it on Instagram and it gets you know 2 million views, 8 million views, 6 million views. So TikTok to us, it's a little bit tricky. I don't want to get into what, what uh, that could be. The re- Some of the content I talk about is not politically correct. I call out, I challenge. So uh, uh, some places it may or may not perform very well, but I would, I would put those would be the list. If we do dig a little bit deeper on TikTok, what are some of your predictions? Um, they recently, they're going to e-commerce and they're opening warehouses. They're opening warehouses in Amazon's backyard to expand e-commerce. Um, they're now doing still photos. They're doing longer form clips, still photos like Instagram. 
And Washington Post just did a big deep dive. In five years, the app, once written off as a silly dance video fad, has become one of the most prominent, discussed, distrusted, technically sophisticated, and geopolitically complicated juggernauts on the internet, a phenomenon that has secured an unrivaled grasp on culture and everyday life and intensified the conflict between the world's biggest superpower. No app has grown faster past a billion users and more than 100 million of them are in the United States, roughly a third of the country. So what are your opinions on TikTok? I wonder if demographics come into play, maybe certainly politics come into play, but if we do actually dive into the world of TikTok, it's a force. It's coming really strong. Um, You've got Trump wants to shut it down and it's very controversial, but it's also absolutely massive as a strategist and as a predictor of culture what are your, what's your view on TikTok? So, for example, I'll give you three different uh, point of views. What phone do you use? iPhone. iPhone. What do I have? iPhone. What do you have? iPhone. iPhone. Okay, so that's not good. You know, one of my guys, I just called him right now, Jose, I was on the phone with him, and I said, uh, I called him back. He says, hey, uh, where are you at? I'm at T-Mobile. Why are you at T-Mobile? Because my phone shut down yesterday. He has an iPhone. Well, he was with Droid for 15 years. He barely switched over to iPhone, right? We need competition. And iPhone doesn't have competition. That's not good for you and me. Google's phone is not strong enough. Droid's getting crushed right now. Blackberry's been dead. You know, we need somebody that comes out that comes out and competes with this. Or else they're very, very close to monopoly here, the way they're growing right now. And that's not a good thing for the market at all, right? So that's one. Two, uh, if that happens, what's Instagram's competition? If TikTok's out, nobody. So you need Instagram to have a competition. Would you say Snapchat? Their stock is on 85%. Snapchat is not Instagram. It's a very different model than Instagram is. So it wouldn't work out. Who's going to compete against uh, Instagram? Facebook, it's the same company owned by Meta. So LinkedIn, LinkedIn's not going to compete. Twitter, Twitter's not going to compete. They try to do stories and they kind of went away from it. They have it a little bit, but they're not really advertising it to try to compete with Instagram. So I want a competitor to Instagram. Everybody wins because... TikTok forces Instagram to get your views up, more audience seeing it. But if TikTok goes away, Instagram's gonna say lower back down to 7% and charge people, let them do ads so they can make money. So TikTok's the reason why Facebook's values dropped, where you know Mark Zuckerberg's lost $60 billion in net worth just this year. TikTok's getting in his way. So okay, so let's see what this is gonna look like. So that's that part. Capitalism kind of needs to work and TikTok helps. TikTok is the least trusted app in America by a a lot of people politically, left, right, middle, doesn't matter, they do not trust uh, TikTok. Of course, people don't like Zuckerberg or they don't like Dorsey or they don't like some of these names because they're names and they have control of these organizations. But the challenge with TikTok is, with the way they're going, they're one or two presidents away from being banned for four years. Trump almost did it. And DeSantis could do it. I don't think anybody from the other side would do it. But I think Trump or DeSantis, I would not be, would you be surprised if DeSantis becomes president and says, hey, we looked at the numbers. Unless if you give us this report, you're banned until you give us these reports. So then what's going to happen when he does that? Uh, The media on the other side is going to get the youth to be complaining about hating Trump to lose that vote. But the youth doesn't vote anyway. So they're not going to care about that. They're just loud, but they don't vote. India banned 100 apps from their country, TikTok being one of them. TikTok is not allowed in India. You can't go use TikTok in India. And China hates India. And India does not trust China. And India was able to stand up towards China. So, yeah, these guys are one or two presidents away from being banned in America. They're getting as much intel as they can right now. But even when the CEO of TikTok USA was asked questions that are you reporting back to China, he wouldn't answer the question three, four, five different times, but he eventually had to say, yes, we have to, is it ByteDance or whatever the company's name is called, Byte something. They have to report all the data back over to them because that's the company that they report to. So they're one or two presidents away from being banned by 2024, 2025. For you, are you hesitant to invest in TikTok? One of the interesting things that they're also building out is search functionality. And apparently Gen Z is using TikTok as a preferred search engine over Google. And that SEO aspects of TikTok are rising. And so in light of them maybe completely getting banned, um, 
Also, if your results are not happening there, it may just be a strategy to say, we're just gonna test everywhere. Um, but for you, do you see any reason to invest more into that because of maybe reaching the next generation? Or are you neutral, anti, or, or seeing strategy to lean in? I would, because I, my, my philosophy is to convert or change the way of thinking, right? For you to say, never thought about it that way. Yeah, you know what, I'll be an entrepreneur. Never thought about it that way. I guess capitalism is not as bad as I thought it was. Never thought about it that way. Rich, rich people are not that bad. Never thought about it that way. I should go learn how to sell. Never thought. So that's my approach to get anybody to say, never thought about it. Give some perspective. So I want to be on all platforms to be able to get the audience and, and, and help them out with that. My, my own uh, uh, motive that I have, just like everybody has. But you have to realize just six years ago, seven, five years ago, we had a phone company competing in America, and it was a $100 billion phone company. Do you remember that phone company's name? Huawei. Oh, yeah. When's the last time you heard, of, you heard the name Huawei? They got shut down. Not in a long time. Yeah. Guys, CFO, they told them not to do business with Iran, and the CFO, the daughter of the owner of the company, was in Canada, and she did some dealings with Iran, and it's like, hey, you're done. Guess what? Huawei's out of the States. And you were starting to see people having Huawei phones because Huawei was tapping into and trying to get intel like this. It's gone. So listen, do whatever you can to get a lot of eyeballs. But don't forget, uh, people were addicted to Vine. Where is Vine? It's been replaced by TikTok. It's been replaced by Instagram. Everything's going to be replaced by something new. It's all going to be fine. But what they're trying to do to get the intel and you know the dirty plays that TikTok is doing, it's going to catch up to them. It's just a matter of time. As we land the plane, Adobe did a study called the Future of Creativity Study, and it revealed that 165 million content creators have joined the creator economy since 2020. So there's a massive wave in aspiring content creators. Young people's greatest aspiration, they're saying, is not to be an astronaut, but it's to be a YouTuber. What is the good, the bad, and the ugly of social media. I hear your vision on the good of you can reach people and get a good message to them. But in your deep dive conversation, even with Andrew Tate, uh, I think he mentioned, I'm not sure if you agree, about the harmful na nature of social media, just scrolling, shortening attention spans, um, and, and just kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly for conflicted parents, for business owners who are wanting to maybe do good, but also have these red flags that social media presents? So, um, you know, historically, people have done a lot to get 15 seconds of fame, right? A lot to do 15 seconds of fame, whether it's taking out a president or, you know, getting out there and hurting somebody or fire or doing something to a building. There's just a lot of things that people will do for fame. For whatever reason, that big screen for people to say, I saw you on TV. I saw you on a video. I saw you on this video that went viral. Oh my, oh, you saw me? Am I famous? Oh my God, this feels amazing. I noticed, right? And when you walk into someplace, oh, hey, Sean, how are you? Oh, hi, I watch your content. I love your content. I appreciate what you're doing. Oh, hey, this, so that feeling is a form of a high, right, that you get. You are being noticed, you're contributing. There's some fame, there's some accolades. We fiend that. Naturally, people fiend recognition. We are driven by recognition. The most humble person in the world, Mother Teresa, became very famous. That's recognition, okay? She got a form of recognition. Billy Graham, the recognition in his eyes could be, I baptized 210 million people in my lifetime. He goes and speaks in Korea. One and a half million people show up. If you post a picture, Billy Graham, Korea, one and a half million people look at the audience. Makes no sense. These are people that don't speak English. They show because he's showing up. It's a form of a recognition that he had, right? Okay. So where am I going with this? This is my concern. I have a few friends that are in Hollywood who are A-listers who have done very well for themselves. Now, when, he, when we're talking, they'll say, listen, man, are you kidding me politically? You think I'm like them? I'm not like them. I'm this, 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 that. So how about that person? He's also things like this. But how come he supports publicly this person and that person? He says, yeah, for obvious reasons, you know, he is not going to get the jobs. He's not going to get the eyeballs. He's not going to keep getting those big movies if he's aligned with those guys. Look what happened to, you know, Clint, you know, not Clint Eastwood, he has his own money, so he doesn't give a shit. But look what happened to Mel Gibson. Look what happened to this person. Look what happened to that person. They never, look what happened to Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn did one thing with Ron Paul. What happened to him afterwards? You used to see Vince Vaughn in every single thing. Vince Vaughn's one of the loved 
favorite actors. What happened to him? He all of a sudden disappeared when they go into this box of how they feel, right? And then Netflix changed the game and all these other guys, OTTs, were like, listen, screw you. I don't need to beg, you know, Weinstein anymore. I don't need to beg all these guys. But this is where I'm going with it. Sometimes being so concerned about eyeballs forces you to uh, put eyeballs over what you stand for, where it's recognition more than true values and principles. If you can manage that and still stay true to your character and your values and principles and not compromise that, no matter how many eyeballs you get, good for you. But if we're going to go in the direction where 164 million, what the number you say, 165 million content creators, creators, and your goal is to measure success based on subscribership, based on AdSense, based on views, well, what does that really mean? Does that mean you're going to have to compromise to do anything to get the eyeballs on subscribers? So that's the only thing that concerns me a little bit, that if that's recognition, you know, there's anything I can do to get 15 seconds of fame, are you willing to go that far? I'm not, I'm not willing to do it. Because now you're lying. Now you're being somebody you're not just to protect the agency that's representing you. You're with WME and WME. If they find that you said this, oh my God, you're going to lose that sponsorship with Sprite and that sponsorship. I don't know. So, you know, that's my only concern about it. I don't think it's anything new where people are afraid of saying what they say because somebody's in their pocket that they're paying them so they don't want to say anything bad about them. Uh, so does it produce more fake people or real people? We won't find out for another 10, 20, 30 years. But if you were to ask me, that'd be my number one concern. Last question, on your 44th birthday, if you could look back at a young entrepreneur, call it in their 20s, building a company, uh, and especially for our community, a lot of people, we're calling them content entrepreneurs. It's the idea that you can build mm -hmm. a media business as a solopreneur, so many different ways to make revenue. What are just some of the uh, advice and maybe this reflective day that you would just give to a young entrepreneur 10, 15 years back? For a contentpreneur or an entrepreneur running a real business as an operator? Let's go content okay, uh, let's entrepreneur. Do that. Okay, so content entrepreneur. So if it's content entrepreneur, you know, it would be one word and it's alignment. Let me explain what I mean by this alignment. So if, if you can be yourself and create content, so you're not acting, I think you're winning. But if you have to play somebody else to get eyeballs where you're acting, and that's what gets the eyeballs, where the you, you won't get the real eyeballs, I think that's a conflict. That's a little bit of a conflict. So everything to me is what happens. For example, let's just say I, I'm telling you, you got to live by these 10 rules. These are the 10 values and principles. Sean, you got to live by this. And I'm your dad and I'm telling you this. And I don't live by that. Deep down inside, I have conflicts. And I have internal conflict, which is a worse kind of conflict. Forget about the conflict I have with you. I have internal conflict. Because when there's internal conflict, everybody around you feels it, right? Because you're not living an aligned life. When I, when I was creating content and I'm trying to be something I'm not, I'm like, not only am I not enjoying it, but I'm just, it's not also doing good. So I don't care to be that. Listen, I can't help myself. I love talking about politics. I'm going to keep doing that. I love capitalism. I'm going to keep doing that. I love entrepreneurship. I'm going to talk about that. I love you know, interviewing people who are in certain industries that I have interest over. I'm going to keep pursuing that topic. And then if there's an audience for it, fantastic. If there's not, it's all good. But trying to compromise who you are on the big screen to get eyeballs versus my biggest suggestion would be try to match these two together. And then listen, it doesn't mean you don't get creative. You know, you want to get creative or have a board here. We'll sit down and like, you know, I had a meeting with a couple of my content creators on talent and I'm sitting there talking to one of them. I'm saying, listen, why are you still talking about this? Well, because it's what I stand for. There's no way I cannot talk about this. I said, listen, that's nine months ago. People have moved on. It's over. What other interests do you have? So I sat and had a two hour meeting with one of my content creators and I said, what bothers you? We wrote it down, 20 things. What do you love? We wrote it down. What do you hate? We wrote it down. When you were a kid, what interest did you have? What do you know a lot about that I don't know? Do you know a lot about the Yankees? Do you know a lot about the history of animals? Do you like lions? Did you grow up as a, tell me what, her, what do you know about Middle East? Did you study theology? Do you know a lot about politics? Do you know a lot about what, the law? What do you know a lot about? Yesterday, I'm sitting with my son, my 10-year-old son tells me, he says, Daddy, do you know that uh, 
there's certain sea bass that you eat that has a uh, poison that if you eat the sea bass, hot becomes cold and cold becomes hot that you can't even have ice in your drinks because your mouth will feel like you're on fire. I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, no, I'm telling you. I'm like, this guy's trying to pull a prank. So I go and I research. I'm like, this kid is right. There's a poison that, what did you learn about this? I read it in a book. So my son loves reading the 5,000 fact books, right? So if he wanted to create content, he can create a fact thing. He can do different things. So, you know, if, if, if you can figure out a way to improve yourself as a content creator where, talking to another guy yesterday who's got 950,000 subs, and he's been around that number for about six months. You know how frustrating it is to be at 950. Sure. It's very annoying because you're kind of like, dude, I'm right there at a million, but I'm like, I'm annoyed, right? And he's reached the limit of his content. He's reached where his audience, they don't have interest on the same things he talked about for the last two years because his content is limited based on life experiences and he no longer has any life experiences to share that's new. They've heard all of it in 200 episodes. So now what does he do? He has to figure out a way because the audience is like, we got everything from you already. Now you're trying to give us something new. If he doesn't adjust, he's going to be a YouTube channel that got a million subs based on the videos he did, not any more interest on anything new. It's a very emotional place to be when you're there because you're no longer getting that attention. So it is an emotional job. It is tough. It is draining. Your insecurity is going to come out. You're going to be going on streaks where you feel like nobody cares anymore. You're forgotten about. But if you constantly try to recreate yourself while still staying true to your values and principles, new audience will constantly show up. Patrick and David, we thank you for your time today. Where can people go and uh, learn more about what you're doing? I want to recommend Next 5 Moves. Business planning workshop had a huge impact in our business, but social media as we end. I, I would say I just launched a new app called Manect. And the reason why I launched Manect the app is because one time a lawyer and I had a seven-minute call together. He billed me for 30 minutes. I'm like, why am I paying you for 30 minutes? I called him. I said, I don't want to pay for 30 minutes. It was a seven-minute call. He says, Pat. Minutes roll up. I said, I want to pay you by the minute. He says, no lawyer charges by the minute. And this was five years ago. I said, if I ever come out with an app, it's going to be an app where I can pay lawyers, influencers, doctors by the minute. So minute is, Minect is, do you have a minute to connect? Hence, Minect, right? So we just launched the app Minect. If you want to have a 15-minute FaceTime with Andrew Tate, you can do it on Minect. If you want to have a 15-minute FaceTime with me or just ask me a question, I respond on a video. Or Kiyosaki or Chas Palminteri or Rick Macy. Rick Massey was the tennis coach for the Williams sister. It doesn't matter. So many experts are on there that can be found on Minect. So I would, I would say if there's any app to go to, first month we had 30,000 downloads and a bunch of experts taking advantage of the questions and the live. So I would say go download the app Minect and you'll find us there. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you.